Hello. Before I begin the podcast, I'd like to throw in a little disclaimer about what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode. In this episode, I will be reading graphic descriptions of murder, violence, sexual violence, torture, and other things that are only suitable for mature audiences. I strongly suggest that if you are under the age of 13, or if you just feel like you won't be able to handle hearing descriptions of brutal serial murders, that you go ahead and turn off the podcast now. No harm, no foul, and everyone's happy. So, as always with this kind of content, listener discretion is heavily advised. With that being said, let's jump into the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Serial Killer Countdown. I'm your host, Jordan McCollum. And this is my podcast where I take a look into the worst serial killers in the world that have been documented, at least. Uh, I try to use this podcast to talk about some of the serial killers that may not be as well known as the ones that I feel have been done to death. (laughs) Sorry, that's just one of my favorite puns. Uh, And I try to focus on serial, serial killers that you maybe haven't really heard of before. Uh, I took a week off due to the July 4th weekend. Uh, My travel schedule and holiday event schedule was pretty crazy, so I didn't really have a lot of time to do a podcast last week. I did, however, eat a ton of hamburgers and hot dogs, so I hope you were able to to do that as well, maybe uh, uh, able to enjoy the holiday as much as I did. But anyway... Uh, My schedule so far in this podcast has basically been one episode every week, but uh, I may be scaling that back in coming weeks just because my summer is crazy busy and I may not have a lot of time to devote to this little pet project I've been doing. But if that ends up being the case, I'll probably just switch to like an episode every two weeks instead of every one week. But enough of all that, uh, let's go ahead and jump into this fifth episode of the Serial Killer Countdown. This week, I'm talking about a very interesting serial killer to me, mainly because of the way he got his start killing young girls. It's extremely disturbing to me the way that he began, but we'll get into that in a minute. So we took a two-week break from the South American region of Colombia in talking about Kukri from Pakistan and the werewolf of Russia, but this week... We're circling back around to the Columbia region once again. And it's really interesting to me so far that three of the worst five serial killers that I've come across have been from Colombia. And I really wonder what it is about that country that inspires such terrible killers. You know, is it just the sort of chaotic nature of the country, the unstable government, the poverty, the unequipped police force or is it just a combination of all of that it's really pretty fascinating to me anyway uh this week the man i will be talking about grew up in Colombia a little earlier than the other two that i've already talked about and his name was daniel camargo barbosa also known as the sadist of Colombia. confirmed murders 72 young girls Possible murders based on further evidence gathered around Colombia, 150 girls throughout the South American country. So I wanted to start, like I usually do, with Barbosa's childhood. 
Daniel Camargo Barbosa was born in Colombia in 1930. Now this is much earlier than the other killers that I've been talking about so far. His mother ends up dying when he is very young, and his father is extremely distant emotionally and just somewhat overbearing to young Daniel. His father really isn't present all that much in his life, so he is actually mainly raised by his stepmother, the woman that his father married after his mom's passing, and she is just completely abusive towards him. She brutally punishes him for very small slights and just things of that nature. One of her more perverse punishments towards Barbosa is that whenever he would do something she didn't like, she would make him dress in women's clothing and make him wear that clothing around the town. This causes Barbosa to basically just become an object of ridicule to all the people in the town and to his peers. He's bullied incessantly because of these terrible punishments that he receives at home, and obviously he grows up not having socially adjusted in the correct ways. So in 1958, when Barbosa is 28 years old, he ends up getting arrested for petty theft, petty theft, and this would mark his first real run-in with the law. When he's released from prison, he meets a woman named Alkira, with whom he strikes up a relationship. However, he soon meets another woman named Esperanza that basically just totally takes his breath away. And even though he had a common-law ma marriage with Alkira, he ends up leaving her for Esperanza very soon after meeting her. After a few months, Barbosa decides that he wants to marry Esperanza, but he finds out that she's not a virgin, which becomes almost like a fixation with him. It almost becomes like an, an obsession. He can't get past the fact that she's not a virgin, and he tells her that he cannot marry her because of this. And this is where things kind of get weird. Esperanza desperately makes a deal with Barbosa. Barbosa agrees to stay with her if she will help him find other girls that are virgins to have sex with. And this just boggles my mind. Like maybe it was just the climate of the times in Colombia and maybe she was just desperate to have somebody in her life to take care of her or you know something like that. But like how on earth does anybody agree to this kind of deal. It's just crazy to me. So they agree to this absolutely disgusting deal, and Esperanza basically becomes Barbosa's accomplice in his first real major crimes. He uses Esperanza to lure the young girls into a false sense of security. Since it wasn't just Barbosa by himself, but he was also with a woman, the young girls trusted them and thought they were nice people. Once they had the trust of the girls, Esperanza would drug them with sleeping pills so that Barbosa could then rape them. Barbosa committed five rapes using this method, but he did not kill any of the young girls. The fifth girl that Barbosa rapes is let go, and when she gets back home, she immediately reports the crime to the police. Barbosa and Esperanza are arrested and convicted and sent to separate prisons. Astoundingly, the judge only sentences Barbosa to three years in prison, which causes Barbosa to thank the judge for his leniency, and he promises to change his ways and that he's a changed man. However, a new judge ends up being given precedence over the case and resentences Barbosa to eight years in prison instead of three. 
This causes Barbosa to become extremely upset and basically swear revenge on the justice system, and he becomes much more rebellious and angry after this incident. He serves the full eight years in prison and is eventually released, and he moves to Brazil. However, he's then arrested in Brazil for being undocumented. But due to a delay in transferring his legal paperwork from Colombia to Brazil, Barbosa gets deported back to Colombia and released once again. In 1974, Barbosa takes up a job as a street vendor selling televisions. One day, while passing a school that he was trying to sell televisions at, he sees a nine-year-old girl walking by whom he kidnaps and rapes. He remembers that the last time he raped a young girl, she went to the police and he was arrested. So he decides that he needs to prevent that, and he murders the young girl. And this would be Barbosa's first foray into murder. For whatever reason, Barbosa decides to return to the scene of this first murder to retrieve the television sets that he had left behind next to the body of the girl he murdered. Perhaps he valued these television sets more than the human life he had taken. Perhaps he realized he still needed money that these television sets could get him. Whatever the reason, he ends up going back to the scene of the crime the next day and is subsequently arrested by the police who were investigating the murder. He's convicted of the murder of the nine-year-old girl and is sentenced to 30 years in prison. However, the sentence is reduced to 25 years. Now, this should have just been really the last time we ever heard of Daniel Camargo Barbosa and it should have been the end of the story, but unfortunately that doesn't happen. Ten years into his sentence, Barbosa actually escapes the prison by carefully studying the ocean currents that surrounded the prison. The prison that he was in was known as the Colombian Alcatraz, so I kind of picture it like Alcatraz. It's a prison surrounded by water on all sides, and Barbosa studies the currents of these waters and escapes the prison in a very primitive boat that he had constructed. Astoundingly, the authorities just assume that he died in the water, and they don't really investigate it any further. In fact, the press even reports that Barboza had been eaten by sharks. Now, where they got that information, I'm not exactly sure, but it could not have been more wrong. Maybe the police fed them that information because they just didn't want to investigate any further, or perhaps they just didn't want anyone to know that someone had actually escaped their prison. Regardless, Barbosa lands his boat on the coast of Ecuador and travels back to Colombia by bus. For the next two years, from 1984 to 1986, Barbosa commits at least 54 rapes and murders throughout Colombia. He did this so brutally and so frequently that police refuse to believe that one man is committing these crimes. They assume a gang is running amok in Colombia. And we've seen this kind of thing before, especially in the time before serial killing was really a known thing that people did. Police just would just assume that multiple people were responsible for murders, which made the real killers much harder to catch. So, in 1986, Barbosa has been on his murder spree for almost two years now, and the police are kind of just befuddled as to who is committing these crimes. That is until Barbosa is spotted just minutes after murdering a young nine-year-old girl by police in the area. 
They detain him for acting suspiciously and find that he is carrying the bloody clothes of the girl that he had just killed. Ironically, he's also holding a book titled Crime and Punishment, which is a Russian novel about a man who formulates a plan to commit murder in order to use the money of his victim to do great deeds, causing a moral dilemma in himself. Barbosa is arrested and taken into custody to be questioned, where he is eventually identified by one of the young girls that he had raped but not killed. Realizing that his jig is up, so to speak, Barbosa calmly confesses to 72 murders between 1984 and 1986. Police initially don't believe him, as they feel no single person could kill that many young girls without being detected, so Barbosa leads them to his dumping grounds where many of his victims' bodies had not yet been discovered. Police are taken aback by the sheer unapologetic nature of Barbosa. He shows no remorse at all for his killings, and in my opinion, he sounds just like an absolute sociopath with little to no feeling whatsoever. While confessing his crimes to police, he also goes over his M.O. He says he would approach helpless, young, naive, lower-class girls offering easy work for easy money. He would tell the girls that he was looking for a church on the outskirts of town and uh, that he needed to deliver a large sum of money. He would show the girls the money and promise them a cut of the money if they could lead him to the church. Barbosa would then lead the girls into the woods, claiming that he was looking for a shortcut. If the girls showed any kind of suspicion or drew back away from the woods, Barbosa told police he would not stop them from leaving as he only wanted the most pure, trusting girls for himself to murder. He would then rape his victims, strangle them, and then stab them until they were dead. He would also hack, slash, and crush the girls' bodies with a machete. When asked by the police why he preferred virgins, he simply told them that he chose them because they cried. This apparently gave him more satisfaction in his killings. He also stated that he was killing the young girls as revenge on women and their unfaithfulness, and that women had not lived up to his standards of what he thought women should be. So yeah, this guy was definitely not all there, you could uh, say. In 1989, Barbosa is convicted of the 72 murders that he confessed to, but is only sentenced to 16 years in prison, as it was the maximum sentence at the time for the country, no matter what crime had been committed. Interestingly, during this time, he was known to have also been imprisoned with famed serial killer Pedro Lopez, the monster of the Andes whom I've already talked about on this podcast. Five years into his sentence, Daniel Camargo Barbosa is stabbed to death in his prison cell by a fellow inmate who turned out to be the cousin of one of his victims. I never like to say that I'm glad that someone is killed, but... Honestly, as we can see with the three killers that I have talked about from the South American region, the justice system of South America in the 80s or 70s, 80s, that time period, was just not equipped to handle people like Luis Garavito or Pedro Lopez or Daniel Camargo Barbosa. They just could not fathom that people like this actually existed at that time. So to me... Barbosa being killed by the cousin of 
cousin of one of his victims, was really just the perfect justice for the absolute monster that he was. Thank you so much for listening to this fifth episode of the Serial Killer Countdown Podcast. I've had a really good time making this podcast and just knowing that anyone at all listens to it gives me so much happiness. Uh, I hope to continue doing this podcast, whether it be doing an episode every week or every two weeks, and I hope you enjoy listening. I hope, just like me, you are learning a lot of new things. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter under the username SKC Podcast. That's all one word, SKC Podcast. And you can follow me, the host, on Twitter at twitter.com slash jordskc. That's twitter.com slash jordskc. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.